Thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to another episode of the XR Magazine podcast. I am Diana Olenik, your host, and today we have this fascinating experience of being learning directly from Christoph Fleischmann, who is the founder of Arthur Technologies. So the story goes like this. In 2016, Christoph founded Arthur Technologies, a large-scale virtual office space that enables businesses to collaborate in XR, offering enterprises the advantages of in-person work without geographical constraints. In other words, this allows anybody from anywhere in the world to work together under the same digital space and perform work that requires both people to be in the same space. As a leading XR enterprise collaboration solution, the company now employs more than 60 people internationally. The platform is used by renowned organizations around the world, such as the United Nations, PwC, and Societe Generale. So this is very exciting because more and more we are seeing different team works in different organizations, exploring more these options which allow remote work to be done efficiently thanks to this technology. Let's jump in and get to listen directly from Christoph what he has to say about this amazing platform. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Christoph, for being here today. How is everything going at this moment with you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we're really excited because we are going to speak today about Arthur and how this amazing initiative about VR and enterprise solutions began. So please let us know. How were that journey from the beginning with Arthur? Yeah, so I think the, the background to why we started Arthur actually goes back to um, both my head of product, Nick, and I, we, we come from the south of Austria. And we were always really in love with new software and new technologies. But if you grow up in that area in the early 2000s, it's it's really hard to find a lot of people excited about software. At least that was my experience. There weren't many software developers around. And so what we ended up doing is, ended up doing is we would start talking to folks in the Philippines and the US and all over the world. And it became pretty clear to us that no matter how great the internet was back then, it still feel, felt like we were really far away from others. So that was something where it, it just stuck, I think, both with, you know, with Nick and, and myself, that no matter how great it was that I could chat with someone or even jump on, on a simple video call, it didn't really feel like we're actually together and it didn't feel like we could work together in the way we could if we were in the same room. And so for me personally, I, I love being with another person at a physical location. I love the whiteboard. I think the meetings are just so much more potent if we, if we are physically together. And so that really dominated a lot of, you know, the early 
early years of where I wanted to engage in, you know, software startups or in software development. And I always had this thing that either I found a great person to work with, but then they might be halfway around the world, or maybe I would make some compromise on the people I work with, but they're physically close. And that, that stuck with, with us all for a while up until I had the, the chance in 2013 to work an augmented reality startup. And there for the first time, you know, some folks put on uh, early prototypes of early AR glasses on my head. And it was really this moment where I felt like, wow, seeing this little hologram in front of me was a true renovation because I thought, wow, that's actually this technology that allows us to mimic all this this amazing feeling of being in the same room together and working. And that was 2013. And I thought, well, it's not just gaming. It's not entertainment. This is going to transform the way we can work. Mm -hmm. So we then waited a couple more years, so 2016, to actually start Arthur. But in 2013, the idea came came to be this way. Wow, that's great. Amazing. So you guys half of a ground as developers, I guess. Yeah, so from the formal education, I actually more have a background um, on, a, on a business side, but I used to code a lot on, on a hobby side, and I used to write a lot of different websites and um, got into software quite early. But, uh, yeah, I'm more of the, the business co-founder. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It seems it actually began like quite uh, like some years ago. And this is interesting because yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, we need to understand that that technology is just not that appear all of a sudden, but it has an important journey. And speaking about that, how was the first stages of the design? How, how was that undertaken? How was the workflow or anything that you want to share in that regard? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you start truly with this complete blank sheet of paper. So when we started Arthur in 2016, you there were some concepts around how you know three-dimensional work or three-dimensional interfaces could look like, but you know, barely anybody knows right now in 2022 how a great VR productivity tool should work. I think we are barely scratching the surface. We've been doing nothing but this for six years with enterprises. I think we, we're maybe this far into the journey. So if you extrapolate that out six years earlier, it was really nothing. And so you start thinking about how you build this because you can't really take the same principles from web or mobile development. It, it doesn't work this way. You you have to take inspiration from physical meetings and the physical way we would work. So what we tried to do is we, the first thing we did is we, we started working on a real space that didn't fully look like an office, but you could see that it was a professional 3D space built for work. And one of the first features we built was a physical quote unquote whiteboard in this virtual reality app. So th those were the first steps. Um, a lot of skeuomorphic design, um, and 
the, I guess the first thing we told ourselves was if we don't let people on this, if we don't actually watch people try to use this, we're never going to build the right solution. Mm -hmm. So I think within a couple of months of development, we already had um, some enterprise users as guinea pigs in there. And the amazing opportunity that we really had was if you, if you're building this collaborative virtual reality platform or now extended mixed reality platform, you as a developer, as a designer, you actually have the chance to watch other people use your, your app. And you don't really get this level of information so easily in in a web or mobile development, it's you actually would have to physically be next to someone using it and watching them do everything. Whereas in, in VR, we could just jump into these meetings and we just spent hundreds and hundreds of hours watching people, what they wanted to do and what they were failing at in our app. And honestly, that's how we still spend a lot of our time to this day. We jump into meetings. Our entire team spends a lot of time with users in VR, looking at their behavior, understanding what they're trying to achieve, where they're failing, and then extrapolating or prioritizing our roadmap based off of that. Yeah, thank you so much. So what type of particular considerations did you take to create the spaces considering that it's pretty much for enterprise? So what was special there in those, in those environments? Because when you think about it, if People right now want to create like a home. So then you, they try to simulate a space that kind of looks like home. But how about for enterprise? Did you decide to put it in different places or how, how do you, how do you undertake that? Yeah, we had, honestly, it was a lot of trial and error. We had very, very, I remember us explicitly building an incredibly boring gray office space. Like something you would generally not want to necessarily be in. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, well, we gave it some nice lights and then we gave it a nice view out on, you know, on a blue lake or something like this to at least spice it up a little bit. But we, we forced this concept of this is an office space on our users. And so that was really an experiment to see how are they behaving. And it, it worked incredibly well. And then we had some other, other spaces that were just completely random like outdoors or you know a, a showroom for cars was one of our very very early yeah. spaces because we just wanted to really see we, we couldn't from our from our own experience or from our understanding i think we we knew that we just have to watch people and and we're not really making up the rules it's going to be our users that dictate to a certain extent in which spaces they want to be productive yeah. and already early it was clear that it's always a combination of the space you provide, the visual design of the space, but the functionality as well. So I think for a good part of our journey, we de-emphasized a little bit the visual design of the spaces and focused more on, okay, which tools do we give into the hands of users? Not because the spaces aren't important, just because if you don't actually give people the right tools to work in, you know, no matter how nice the space is, they're not going to continue meeting and they're not, they're not going to continue using it. And so I think this was a quite healthy way for us to, to approach it. And then, um, in, if we look at the entire journey of author, we, we started on PC based VR. So we started on, 
a platform that was actually very powerful in terms of the, virt the virtual worlds it can compute. You know, you would have gaming laptops or towers that with strong graphics cards um, being able to compute, simulate these virtual worlds. And then when Quest 1 came around, that was one of the big factors in, you know, when um, probably the most pivotal event for us um, when we were able to switch from PC-based VR hardware to truly mobile all-in-one headsets. But this flexibility and the ease of use, um, while it was great for our users, it meant we have, we were confronted with a completely different level of computing power. You know, these headsets, they are, they have smartphone chips in there. And so they're by far not as powerful. And what you then have to start doing is you have to start trading off the visual fidelity and the content that users can place in there. And so that's a constant struggle where you have to find ways to design your environments and spaces in a nice, beautiful way. But at the same time, you want to throw a lot of attention and a lot of the bandwidth you have behind content and tools they can work with. Because again, um, at least for us, our approach was it can look as nice as you want unless you actually have the right things in there to do. Unless you can be productive, you're not going to stay in there. Mm -hmm. That's great. And particularly for enterprise. What type of tools uh, an enterprise type of niche would be looking at, would be expecting? Yeah, so I think there's the, there's the set of kind of by now obvious features. Like I want to have some way of writing down notes. I want to have some way of typing mm -hmm. a sticky note. I want to be able to place these things. I want to be able to upload documents. And then I want to put all of these things neatly maybe on a pin board. So I think that this is, Kind of in itself, these are the fun, fundamentals that we partly know from the real world um, that, that you need in order to be productive. I think the real difference is it's you can build these things in a way that you basically have a whiteboard, but it's not used, or you actually invest a lot of time into making this a great feature. And, and one thing we're really proud of is our pin board. So the pin board... You can really snap a lot of objects on. It's fast. It works. Everybody, whether they're a new user to VR and an expert user, they, they tend to get it quite quickly. And it's this incredible, it's so simple. You know, you, you think it's this three-dimensional flow chart kind of thing that you need to build, but it's actually, I think, a lot about getting the basics right first. And this is what we've done. So it's, it's a lot about getting these few features done in a really, really good way. So what enterprises then want is they want scalability and security and stability. So these are then the things that become a bit more difficult. So you don't only have to deal with one pin board, but you might need a hundred pin boards in a persistent space where they have the meeting results from week one and then week two and then week three next to each other and they can jump around and these things. And so this is in itself an, a design and architectural challenge, mm -hmm. um, how you make your spaces so scalable. Um, and then there's this third category of kind of features that are out there. And I, I hinted at it, 3D flow charting and stuff like this. So we do experiment a lot. We, our poor us users sometimes have to, you know, endure some of the idiocy that comes from us because, you know, we just want to try out things and give it into the hands of our users and see what sticks. And so one of the features was, hey, can you actually 
basically use 3D emojis or simple 3D models? Can you connect them and can you use this to your advantage? And um, I think that's also one of the features people really like in Arthur, where you can map out simple processes or something, and it's actually in 3D and you can grab it and scale it and it makes it really alive in, in the way you can work with it. Yeah, that's amazing. I noticed in certain, it seems like in certain segmentation group, it seems to be an interest to preserve a little bit of your human uh, presence or identity. So mm -hmm. my question is related yeah. now with the avatars. What has been your experience, particularly with enterprise? Why do they prefer and why? So we're in the camp that we actually want to give people photorealistic avatars. And the North Star is obviously to have face and eye tracking and a full body tracked and a lot of outfits and the face really looks like you. Now, really, the body type also really resembles you or at least is customizable to, to an extent that you can very much identify yourself with, with this avatar. Um, the journey there is not so easy because it's, it's much more simple, I would say, to get, uh, abstract versions of your avatars into your system, both on a computing level as well as on, you know, just the amount of memory the device, the, the application uses and some of these things. So it's actually, I guess, the harder way. And you obviously have to challenge that right now and, you know, today, the majority of the headsets we support don't have face and eye tracking. So we animate a little bit your eyes and face and we animate your mouth when you speak, but you notice that this is still an avatar. It is still though that our clients prefer these avatars, even though you don't have face and eye tracking right now. I mean, yeah. towards, you know, over the next couple of months, this is going to become much, much more mainstream that um, soon everybody will have face and eye tracking in their headsets and it will be a thing of the past. But the thing that we've noticed is that even if you have a non-animated face in the room with you, but you recognize your colleague, the fact that your brain really thinks you're at this space together has an intense, like, an intense feeling of presence and mm -hmm. uh, an intense feeling of belonging to the space that, that goes on. In, in your subconscious. And so even though, you know, you might think, hmm, would I enjoy a meeting where right now the face wouldn't be fully animated? Most, pretty much almost every one of our clients is impressed by how much it then still feels, like how much the brain just adapts to this reality. I think that's a, this is the, the most exciting part that we're, we're really learning about our brains and how we perceive and how quickly we adapt to new realities mm -hmm. in this. Um, and we keep being surprised by it, to, to be quite honest. But um, ultimately, you know, we, our journey is clear that in over the next 12, 18 months, we will obviously have something very, very close to photorealistic avatars with a lot of facial expressions in our Yeah, that's super exciting. What particularly your clients prefer this real presence? Why do you think is that? Like, what has been your experience? That this topic is very important. I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm, 
I'm not sure whether it's the only way to get this this team spirit going. It's just something that we've seen work incredibly well for us because these people they really like they really start identifying themselves with their avatars. They start identifying their colleagues with their avatars and the spaces they work with as their office. And so this photorealism is just, it's, it's really about building relationships. If you are every day a completely new avatar and sometimes I don't know, you're a bear and then, I don't know, some transformer or something like that, I could see that it becomes more difficult to mm. build this relationship in the space. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain value, I guess, in a persistent identity in teams mm-hmm. that I as a user recognize and I start there's a lot of interesting stuff going on because, you know, you have body movements in VR. You, it, it's fairly simple and it's, you know, obviously getting significantly better um, every month, I would say, or every quarter. But already our first version had a lot of, you know, subtle, interesting movements that are that are going on. And so what I notice is that people start recognizing each other, even just from the body movement. And then it's this combination of, wow, this avatar that I know, this person that I know, I may have met this person. I recognize this person because they look the same way. Plus, I'm also recognizing the way they're behaving. I feel that they're agitated because they're moving more. I feel that they're a bit reserved because they're leaning back. And I think it's this combination that is just so important for building as a stronger team cohesion. Mm-hmm. That's why um, pe- people pick photorealistic avatars. I'm so excited for Arthur. I honestly, very deep inside myself, I prefer the photorealistic um, avatars. And I also, that's why I I ask you, you know, like mm-hmm. what has been your experience? What, what could be that reason? Yeah. That is my preference, <laughs> in fact. And... Yeah. Uh, and, and as I was explaining at the beginning, I enjoy a lot these type of interactions where although I was doing interviews in VR, I like to see the face of the person. I really like or humanity, right? So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. it's an interesting topic, preference and research. Uh, I guess there, there is a lot of research on this. It's super interesting. So I like to know, you know, we're facing now this, changes and advancements and there are new maybe headsets maybe coming you know so devices like how you know the app and the device how how that is uh, being balanced right now and what is coming for for Arthur like at the beginning you were saying that we're just scratching the surface right what is that horizon then for you like what is what you feel oh this is where we're going What's, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I think the one of the biggest changes that VR as a whole is going through is the advent of true mixed reality. And, you know, you can test it out if you use meta workrooms, for example, where you, where you see a tracked keyboard and you see, you know, you can start seeing your desk within VR. I think that that's a little glimpse of what's coming, but it's you know mm-hmm. so much smaller than in, in, in today's um, experience. It, it's so much, so much smaller than what the technology can do over the next year. This idea that I can, as a user, 
no longer have to choose between 100% VR or 0% VR. That's where we are right now, right? So either I'm fully in or I'm fully out. There's no real middle ground. There's no way I could use Arthur right now where I can still see my desk, I can still have my coffee cup, I still see my couch, but I just have a cool pin board and maybe a browser window that is digital in my you do that. <laughs> My colleague could could visit me. Oh, yeah. But this is coming. This is coming with mixed reality. This These stages in between. And I think that's just such an important change for this technology, for how easy it's going to be to use, mm-hmm. how much less friction it's going to be to be in this digital world. And at the same time, also how productive I can be if I can mix the real world and maybe my keyboard or something, some of the things I know from my current workstation with, um, with the digital three dimensional world. But I think mixed reality is truly something I just, you know, I so look forward. It's going to change our application significantly. I think you will not, people will not recognize Arthur in a year to wow. how it looks right now just because it's so many amazing things we can add with this with this new technology that's amazing and one of my last questions that a little bit on the technical side is sure. how much of work do you have to do if you have the opportunity to have access to a to a mixed reality headset how much work do you have to do with the current way that Arthur is working? Like, do you have to change your, like from the source code, many things, or how does it work? Um, yeah, so I think it, it depends a lot how you build your application. And I think the good news is that if you build it up on certain principles that can hold true both in full augmented reality and full virtual reality, you will have just from a design perspective a much, much easier way. Um, when it comes to the actual headset support, I think it really depends on the headset you're working with. You know, like it, supporting a different full VR headset can be a ton of work if the headset manufacturer gives you, you know, just limited tools or has significantly different approaches to it. Whereas, you know, if it might come from, if it, came from the same headset manufacturer and they're already watching out that you basically have very good SDKs and very a good path towards building mixed reality as well, then you have an easier way. So I guess one part is your application part, your applications part. That is all about how you design it and how you build your modules. That's something you can plan for. And depending on which steps you took, I think it should be not too difficult if you build your application the right way to make it mixed reality supportable. And the other part is then the specific, you know, functionalities you integrate from the hardware level where you depend a little bit on the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's really a very um, important topic to discuss also where we are going and I'm super grateful that you mentioned definitely mixed reality that's what is coming and we're super excited to see Arthur in mixed reality and using it for our work or daily work <laughs> that sounds amazing absolutely yeah thank you so much is there Great. anything else that you wish I had asked you today Christoph? no I think we covered a lot thank you so much Diana
Yes, yes. Thank you so much. So how, like, specifically in what platforms Arthur is available? How people can, can find it? Like, do you have anything for augmented reality at the moment or something like that where people can get access? To <laughs> so you can go on our website, www.arthur.digital. Um, you can find us on the Oculus store. Just know that, um, the free version of Arthur is built for consumers. It's a very, very lightweight version of Arthur. So if you are an enterprise and you want to try the professional out, then we, we need to set you up with that. Um, and we're also on both the Neo, uh, Pico Neo 3 store as well as the HTC Vive Focus 3 store. So we're, should be available in all, all stores and all current six degree of freedom all in one headsets. And we will support all of the, you know, amazing upcoming headsets as well. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing to know. Thank you so much, Christoph. It has been such a great conversation and thank you for your kindness at sharing your experience, the journey of Arthur and how we can use it to leverage our work and become more productive. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank Bye, you Diana. so much and see you in the next episode. Thank you.